Hey everyone, it's 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, minus the Andy, as you already know. Last week was Andy's final week with us at the Whole Life Church. He has retired. Hopefully in the future, we will see Andy in some capacity joining us again within the halls of Whole Life Church. And who knows, maybe we can even twist his arm and give him a guest appearance here on the podcast. We have enjoyed our five years together and we are soldiering on this week in case you missed it, which I'm guessing that you didn't because it was Easter. Easter. There we go. All right. So something really quick that I wanted to ask you, Jeff, before we get started into all of this, because, you know, growing up and I don't, I don't know, I, I would be interested to hear your journey or how what it was like for you as a kid for Easter. Was Easter a big thing? I mean, we both grew up in the Midwest and my home church, it was never, it was never a big thing. I mean, it was, yes, it was, you know, the following whatever Sunday was going to be Easter and, you know, the Easter story might be hinted to throughout, but there wasn't like an Easter program. It wasn't like a big celebration or, you know, a sunrise service like so many of our other Protestant friends do. And uh, I don't know, it, it it seems odd to me now. It didn't then because it was just the norm, but it seems odd to me now when I've been a part of other celebrations within Adventism even and outside. It just seems weird. Was that your experience too growing up? Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it's not unlike, there are a lot of other churches, but, you know, some some Protestant churches actually. And um, there are probably more churches today that that's that's just like the, that's the, one of the biggest days of the year for some, most churches. Yeah. Growing up um, in, in the Seventh Day Adventist congregation, that was that was always kind of a um, you know it was downplayed actually because it was you know it was part of a a holiday that came from churches that were Sunday keeping churches, so to speak, and churches that um, use that day actually in a way to uh, commemorate what they call, you know, we became called the Sabbath. But, um, you know, it's kind of Reformation language when we start to create these divisions between how we celebrate holidays or how we celebrate these things. And and I, I kind of alluded to that a little bit with the comma piece, but yeah, you yeah. know, there is <laughs> there is this side of us that wants to find identity in dividing ourselves from other people. Yeah, and and unfortunately, yes, I did. I grew up in a church where there wasn't a whole lot of um, hoopla about Easter. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even remember even hearing about it in church back then. No, very, but, very little, honestly. But at home, you'd go home and there'd be, you know, you color Easter eggs and, and, you know, you had, you know, baskets that, you know, my grandmother would fix and hide and, you know, all those kind of things. So it was an interesting piece that we, you know, we didn't celebrate it at church for some reason, but we did celebrate it at home. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that's where you know we as a church kind of hang into it because we lean into it because it is a place where so many people um, have found uh, a sense of what they believe is connection. You know that sure. that time is connection for them to God. So well, and it's every. I mean, we treat Christmas with a reverence that I find sometimes a little alarming <laughs> as a as a church. 
And yet, yeah. obviously, you can't have Easter Sunday without the first advent. But right. it's I don't feel like it's any more important for for Christmas versus Easter for the things being celebrated. And, and in actuality, I, I look at it now and I think to myself, why don't we celebrate the Easter Sabbath? Because literally what Jesus did is, you know, when people say, well, you know, we don't keep the Sabbath because we don't follow Moses' law. And it's like, well, sure, the Sabbath obviously is part of the Ten Commandments. It's part of that, you know, the the Hebrew nation and Israel. But it's really, to me, it points back to the God of creation and that he was simply doing what his father did during the week of creation. And he rested on the Sabbath day. And he continued that tradition, even in death, as a part of the save the saving of all mankind. And I think, what a, what a way to me that that puts it in a such a, a to me a non-confrontational way for people that may not know about the sabbath or just think that adventists just believe it because it's part of the old testament and you know we we don't really understand that part of the bible and we're holding on to the old because we tend to be more conservative and i think wow what an opportunity when you tell people well yeah jesus did, did the same thing and it's like i never thought about it that way i think we're missing <laughs> an opportunity honestly yeah but, well uh, you know if you if you look at opportunities there's there's a lot of things we miss, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? So so this yeah this is a great opportunity, but it's an opportunity where you know I, it would be really very uh, interesting to partner. We actually you know have another church that rents from us, and um, yeah. and you know to be able to partner Ooh. with the different holidays and say here's here's what we'll do, and you know and create that kind of you know in a sense it's a it's a bit of a we want to reach all people. We have this idea that God only reaches out to our denomination. <laughs> of course. But, but he uses everyone. For, Absolutely. You know, for, and so I, I just think it would be an opportunity. You're right. To, yeah. to, to create these, these moments for people to make connection with God. So, yeah. Well, and good I, I good did, question. Yeah. I just, I just love the fact that, you know, when you think about the Sabbath is such a blessing. It's, I, and I don't want to make it seem like, you know, trying to win an argument or, you know, trying to push someone over to believe in the Sabbath, even though biblically, I believe it's, it's sound and it, it's, it's always been there since the world was created. And I think that, you know, just but giving someone an opportunity to see it in a different light and to enjoy what we enjoy about the Sabbath. So, again, not to win arguments, because that is not the point. I just want to make sure that that's clear. I don't don't, that's not my job is to convince someone of the Sabbath. It's, you know, read what's in the Bible, maybe look at it from a different perspective that we may have and then let the Holy Spirit do the work. So just to want to make sure anyone, hey, let's go beat someone over the head with this. We know something new. No, 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 no. Um, Well, that's the point. We've become resistant because all of a sudden (laughs) we find identity from it. But I, I think you're right. There's so much. That I love about the Sabbath. Absolutely. There's so much that, you know, that, you know, the Jewish people have made a, um, you know, a, almost a, a sense of this is, you know, this is a huge break for them. They've, they've made it a bit of a, you know, we all do that. We do from time to time. But they, if you watch, you know, how a Jewish person observes the Sabbath, it's such a blessing. It's such a way of honoring that time frame. And I, you know, I just, sometimes I wish, 
that we could honor that rather than just argue for it. You know oh, what I'm right. saying? Argue yeah. for it. Well, and I think yeah. that also, I mean, that's also an argument you hear that people believe the Sabbath is just a Jewish thing because yeah, they, be- right. they believe it right. originated with the Ten Commandments. And then it's like, oh, well, I, that's not for me. And it's like, oh, no, it's for everyone. And it's so good. You're just, you know, you're just missing out on, you're missing out on all the cool stuff of it. You know, you see the, yeah. what you yeah. might think is the negatives, but not. All right. Well, that was a little sidebar. <laughs> I, I do want to get to the fact that I really liked that you gave the the thieves on the cross a little backstory, especially the one that found <laughs> Jesus. That really, it made me smile because you know you can resonate so easily with him and you can look back at your own life and go man there is stuff that you know all the things that we don't want anyone else to know and even the things that other people know that we might be ashamed of and you know and all those times like you said in his life as a thief when his excuse was yeah yeah but this was given to me you know <laughs> and then you know like the boy who cried wolf eventually no one believes what he has to say and it, I just find I found so much character of myself in him and how I relate to God. And that just made the story seem that much more from what we know in Luke and, and what, you know, the conversation that he has with Jesus between the three of them. And it just made it feel that much more just, I don't know, just real or you know, sometimes just kind of imagining what that life would have been like that landed him here. And of course, you know, the polar opposite of Jesus, who's done none of those things, and it still winds him up here. But it brings about this almost this brotherhood that he finds with Jesus just in just mere, just such a short period of time. Yeah, I'm sure this is not the first time any of us have seen that, you know, that picture of Jesus in the middle with thieves on both sides. It's such a perfect metaphor from, you know, for, for mankind, right? <laughs> right? Because you have, you have both of them who deserve what they, you know, what they're getting there. They both deserve it. Uh, it's just that one is able to see God. The other one's not, he's, he's still, you know, still wanting something for himself to be, you know, to either be rescued or make God into a vending machine and say, yeah, this is what, you can do for me now. Uh, but I did like the idea of this thief. Um, I, I, you know, how close each of these people are to us. I think right. that's important mm-hmm. that we understand that those were not, you know, just two thugs up there. Those were us. Yeah. They were representing all of us up there that, that should have deserved to die. And yet, you know, and then, uh, you know, then all of a sudden we realize, whoa, Jesus turns the whole thing, you know, upside down and said, no. Yeah. And it's the way that, you know, this supporting, like you mentioned, the supporting the secret trial of Jesus, that they needed more, they needed more people involved and hopefully, you know, get the worst of the worst that would already be detested by the public. So now when you put the three of them together, it's almost like Jesus is just guilty by association. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and you look at the parallels to today and, you know, maybe at least it seems like maybe we've never been as a world just more apart in so many ways. And yet you still when you look behind the scenes, there's still people that really want that. And we see where, over time in history where that's all led us to. And then you just look at that and go, all oh, this was at play. And then yet one person 
What about that thief? And maybe it's maybe it's just adding more backstory that we don't know. Of course, we don't know. But <laughs> it, it it made me wonder, like, what was it about Jesus or that day or just, you know, was it the Holy Spirit? It makes me wonder so many questions about what it was that brought him to see what the other didn't see when he's in the same melee as you know, all three of them are in the same the same boat. And yet, and yet he looks out and sees something that really no one other than Jesus's followers know. He's the only one. And that's really interesting to me. He's the only one that gets it. He's the only one in the entire place that actually gets what's going on, which is really quite phenomenal. And where's his doubt? Right. Where's yeah. his doubt? Because so many times when we're in that same boat where it seems like everyone else has a different opinion than us, you know, are, then you start asking yourself, am I the crazy one? Am I the <laughs> one that has the tinfoil hat on? Am I the right. one that is just missing? Or, am you know, do I think too much of myself? I mean, there's just a ton of ways that the devil uses. And yet here this guy is in the midst of all of this and he gets it right. And yeah. that's just that's just crazy to me. I mean, the death that he's looking at. I mean, I, I don't even know how you concentrate on anything else. <laughs> and yet, right. you know, I like how the, like the way you put it. You said right away the thief knew something had changed. It didn't feel right, or at very least, it didn't feel the same. It was confusing. There was all this hatred and cruelty. Yet the response from Jesus met with no resistance, no defensiveness, no malice. That it just woof. Yeah. It is, it is, it is, you can't miss that. I don't, I, that's why I think that revealing piece is so important that he, he's starting to, he's starting to get it even when he starts to just look at Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And then the other is so much the opposite and equally as perplexing. And he's just going, are you crazy? You know, <laughs> hey, you know, and, and this guy, and you, what are you, are you nuts? And this guy's going Stop. Have you no honor left at all? We're getting what we deserve. But, you know, but Jesus, he hasn't done anything. He doesn't deserve any of this. And then he goes, and I believe we, I I looked through and it didn't dawn on me till too late today, but I'm pretty sure that when we did the Bold Ask series about, oh, how long ago was that? A year and a half, Oh, maybe? wow. At least a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah. I, wasn't wasn't John Monday's message on the bold ask of the thief on the cross? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And so and that's a great message. I will look for I'll see if I can find it before we finish this and wrap this up uh, before it goes live. And I will try to put a link in the show notes to that episode or at least what, what, what episode number it is. So you can go back and listen to it because I think that was also – it wasn't exactly as Jeff presented it, but it was another way to look at this. So if you want to dive a little bit deeper – I'll make sure that you have that episode number and title that you can go back and listen to it. Because this really, this message all all week has just been kind of just digging into me. And just to see that Jesus, when we're that same, you know, no matter which of the thieves we are at the moment, Jesus is still listening. He's He's listening through everything. He knows what's going on with us. And he he just, he cares. That's the part that's so important is that he not only listens and and hears us and actually knows what's going on, and yet he it's what he does with that rather than you know the fact you know a lot of people if they know the the scoop or if they get the dope or they forget the you know the 
this, you know, the, the inner secrets, they, they just use them against us, but yeah. G- Jesus uses it, uses it to save us, which is really good. Yeah, that is so good. And then um, we had you had to make the full stop, and you briefly mentioned it earlier about the <laughs> uh, about the comma. And we can't let this ever go. And like you said, I feel bad, but he said I, I need to stop because this is kind of a position that we also take pretty seriously: is the state of the dead and what happens because many people believe that the thief is in is in heaven right now and yeah i never really understood why we had to go there right there because it's such a beautiful story right it's such got so much impact and then we all of a sudden use this as a proof text for you know a doctrinal teaching but you know it's not a hard that's not a hard thing to prove you don't need this text either. no you don't because it's supported the the idea of soul sleep is supported throughout pretty much throughout the Bible. And even Jesus himself, like when he's talking to Mary later on, he goes, no, I've not gone to my father yet. So well, and it is. That's that, but that's the point even right there, because yeah. Jesus rose, obviously he didn't go to heaven today because right. he's right. still here. Right. That right. one always gets me too, because I feel like you have to be, you, you immediately want to play good cop, bad cop, <laughs> you know, in this, right. in this, right. and you're like, Oh man, but this is such a beautiful moment. And in Easter, also just seems so it seems so easy right it's not complicated i mean if you just take the day of the crucifixion and that weekend it's not really that complicated it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry and yet there's there's these little nuggets like you brought to us this week to make us think about it a little bit differently that you also hate to miss if you just breeze on past it yeah it's just, it is it's so good yeah. it's so good all right. Well, if, you know, every year it seems like you wait for Easter to come and, you know, each year you take away a little bit, a little something different. And this year that was really different for me, even though it's not, it's just a way that you, that you laid that out. I really, really liked it and it really resonated with me. And I hope it did to everyone listening as well. And that brings us to our whole life takeaway this week, which asked, as you think about Christ knowing everything about you, what makes it so comfortable for you to hang on to that thought? What do you keep discovering about God the more you know he sees your heart? And I'll admit, the idea of God knowing everything about me, (laughs) that used to scare the living daylights out of me, Jeff. I grew up thinking that at any moment, I was in every moment, I was being judged for my actions and even worse, my thoughts. Oh, the thoughts. The very things that were so personal and absolutely real and unfiltered, how God must have hated me to know who I really was and what I really thought about any situation that I wouldn't actually come out and, and tell anyone. But it, And it's taken a lot of time in all parts of the body of Christ, in friends, family, church family, pastors like you and Andy and Danny Hernandez and, and Bill Crofton and others that have mentored me in my life to taught me to relish this idea instead and just be open and honest with God so that that relationship can flourish and therefore I can flourish. So I don't know about what he thinks about because he already knows, he already forgave, and he hasn't given up on me yet, obviously. And he's still, right. he's still helping me every day. And even at the thief on the cross, I've heard people say, well, that, that Jesus just told him that, that, but he, he's not going to be saved because you can't just sin up until the moment you, you know, like this guy met Jesus and then go, well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven. This is it. I'm done. Like, yeah, I, there's got to be like a two week waiting time, right? Right. Like, <laughs> that's not fair. 
I spent my whole life trying to be good, following the rules, and this punk jumps in line. And yeah. his, I, you know, at his crucifixion for being a, a lying, cheating, possibly who knows what kind of criminal. Yeah. That's not fair. And it's like, yeah. oh man, step back and look at how beautiful that is. Look at how beautiful yeah. that is, because that means that, you know, you're probably not that bad, right? And even if you are, it doesn't matter. But you're probably not that bad. Take a little solace in that and, and and love God for it. So what about you? How do you feel about Christ knowing all of you? And I would love to know, you know, if there's any any thoughts you have on that or experiences throughout your life. So let us know, as always, 407-965-1607 for a voicemail or a text or podcast at wholelife.church. And the final thoughts are from close, the closing to Jeff's message, and he was outlining a possible conversation between the thieves on the cross after Jesus died. It just wrapped everything up so perfectly. He said, I would like to think that there were more words exchanged between these two thieves in the short time that they had left before their legs were broken. I can almost hear more accusations now hurled at this new follower of Christ. What are you smiling about? <laughs> I'm a follower. I'm a part of his kingdom. How'd you get that? This time, it was really just given to me. You know, I can just, you can just see him smiling and just like exhaling, even though it hurts to push yourself yeah. up and, and, and breathe. Yeah. And, but just to exhale and go, man, I, I made it. This is, I mean, and the joy that must have been there. And that's, um, I, I, I think that's a crucial piece too. You just said it. I made it. Uh, you know, you, you search all your life and you think about that from the standpoint of for us as who are married and happily uh, or engaged and happily engaged or whatever. You know, it's sort of like it's a beautiful thing to know that you don't have to search anymore for a wife. You're you've yeah. you've, you've got your wife. Now, no, the, no, the the work of continuing and discover is still there and find out who <laughs> and that to person keep that is. <laughs> yeah. And to keep that one, which is, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but the search. So I think the, the searching of knowing that who you are next to is, it was a really critical piece. Yeah. Anyway, no, that was I, fun. I think it's great because, you know, sometimes, especially in today's world, because it can be hard to identify as a Christian sometimes, but the realization that it was simply just given to me, that's what a Jesus follower is. That's what a Christian relies on and loves Jesus for is that he just gave it to me. And then you realize, hey, this is the best gift anyone could ever yeah, give in right. heaven and earth. That's great. So anyway, yeah. I hope you guys all had a blessed Easter and that, you know, you found the message to be as just as warm and inviting and just making me feel whole as a Christian and as a Jesus follower. So I hope you found that as well. So this week upcoming, we're staying with following Jesus beyond the cross. What's up this week? Well, we, this last week was the destination, Jesus being the destination. Now it's it's the leader, but it's not just what you think in terms of Jesus being the leader. He calls us to be disciples. And along with that, it's replication. So there's a sense of we become, this is where we get a chance to take part in and the work that he's given to us. And so he's the leader, we're the followers, but there is a sense of, you know, giving giving some of that the, that ministry away in terms of what that means. So it's following Jesus beyond the cross to, you know, to, this, to the sense of what does it mean to start being a disciple? So we'll nice. discover it through the life of Peter. So I'm looking forward to that. Ooh, definitely looking forward to that. Peter, he's one of my yeah. favorites. I like it. Yeah. All right. 
Well, that is going to do it for this week, Jeff. So thank you so much for the message and your time. And uh, as always, next Tuesday evening, it's Speaking of Grace. Hopefully you've already caught Jeff's message. If uh, the day before you got this, it comes out every Tuesday night around 8 p.m. And next week we'll be back for episode 254. We'll look at the following Jesus beyond the cross and being a leader and a disciple. So guys, thanks for listening and have a great week.